0: One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, and for more information, please visit us on the web at OneChurch.net. Good morning. So good to be able to be back with you again, and uh, what a great, great time of worship. Uh, I, I'm just delighted in all that God is doing, even though we're living in somewhat of a unique season uh, for the church. God is at work, and I I just want to encourage every single one of you uh, today that you open up your hearts and you just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and for God to just fill you with His presence and His power. And whatever you're walking through, I want to just remind you that Jesus is your answer and Jesus has good things in store for you. I want to pick up on the same Uh, passage of Scripture and the same theme that uh, Justin brought last week in regard to uh, Acts chapter 2. And I want to read to you uh, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, uh, Justin last week dealt with the incredible truth about the church, that that, that the church is a diverse body of believers. And I want to just kind of continue on that same vein today as we deal with the subject of unity with diversity. When you read this passage of Scripture, and it's one of the foundational passages in the New Testament, in fact, for many, many believers, here it is, the church is getting launched. This is the beginning. This is the starting point. Uh, Up to this point, there was an old covenant that guided everything that believers did and taught, and now suddenly the Holy Spirit comes. And when you read this passage, the narrative of Acts chapter 2 is incredible in its own. As you you just examine, there's this supernatural component to the church. Uh, Oh, that we would open up our hearts to receive the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit. God never intended for the church to operate with just natural ability and natural gifting. Yes, we all have natural gifts, and yes, we all have natural abilities, but when the Holy Spirit empowers a man or a woman, they then become a supernatural instrument in the hand of God, and tremendous things happen. And so we don't want to settle for natural grace when God wants to give us supernatural empowerment and supernatural grace. And that's exactly what's happening here in this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2. But it's more than just simply the narrative of these verses. Uh, These verses in and of themselves are powerful, but if you don't understand context, you don't get the full picture of what's going on here. Uh, Later on in Acts chapter 2, there are people from all over the world that are gathered there. It is one of the feasts. It's the Feast of Pentecost. And they're gathering in Jerusalem to celebrate one of the Jewish feasts. And they've come from all over the world. Men, women, uh, uh, various nations, various languages, various ethnicities. They've all gathered there. What an incredible picture of diversity. Right in the middle of probably one of the most diverse set of circumstances that could ever happen, the Church of Jesus Christ is born. Boy, that speaks to us today because God's church is not for, as Justin rightly put it, that circle of sameness. We're not supposed to be the same. All of us are not supposed to look the same, talk the same, walk the same. We are different, unique people whom God has called from various backgrounds with various understandings, and we come together, and the thing that brings us together and connects us is Jesus. Oh, how wonderful that truth is. So God is wanting us to grab this truth that we are a fellowship of difference, not a circle of sameness. And in the midst of that diversity, God pours out His Spirit. But there are some deep truths that need to be understood here. One of the keys to this supernatural empowerment is found in verse 1. It says that when the day of Pentecost came, They were all together in one place. Uh, That word together is a key word. You see, it's our togetherness that actually creates the context for God's empowerment. We, 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 we read Acts 2 and we, we're captivated by the power of God, the supernatural power of God. Here they are, 120 people in an upper room, praying and seeking God. And then while they're doing that, suddenly a sound from heaven, like a like a tornado, comes rushing in, and it looks like fire sits on each of them, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. What an incredible manifestation of the power of God. Yet, there was a prerequisite for that. And that prerequisite for the power of God is found in that word together. I want to just say this to all of us today that are listening and watching that there still today is a prerequisite for the power of God. We know God wants to empower us. We know God wants to come with supernatural manifestations uh, of His grace. Supernatural manifestations that transform the lives of people. God wants to empower His church. But let's be reminded today that in the midst of all our diversity and, and, and all of Unfortunately, even in this nation, all of the division and the separation, God still has prerequisites for his power. He doesn't just show up. He shows up to people who have prepared their hearts, prepared their lives, and are looking for him. And so I want to encourage you today as we step into this, that God still today has keys that are the foundations to his showing up in might and power. And one of those keys is that word together. The, 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 the word together in Greek, homothomedon, is actually a compound word. It's not just a single word together. But it's two Greek words that come together to form a single truth. And it literally means to rush along in unison. It has as its basic foundation that there are many components that have come together and they've come together as one. One of the definitions takes it a little step further and says it means to be one in heart and passion. You see, it's possible that You can be in the same place and not be together. Not only were they in the same place, but they were in the same place and they were together. Together, connected, one heart, one passion, rushing along in unison. And in that moment, God shows up. Boy, I tell you what. Today in our nation, if we ever needed a people who are rushing along in unison with one heart and one passion, it's today. We are politically divided. We are divided by all sorts of various ideologies, left and right, and we've got all kinds of of things happening that are exacerbating our divisions. God still wants unity. God still wants to bring about something in the middle of all of the chaos and the confusions uh, uh, of our world, God still wants to manifest His presence and power. And as the church of Jesus Christ, we are the answer. We've got to demonstrate to this waiting and watching world that there is another way to live. Yes, we can be diverse. Yes, we can be as different as night is from day. But yet we can still have unity. And that unity can become the prerequisite or the foundation for the power of God in our life. And that's exactly what's happening here in Acts chapter 2. All of these people, various nations and languages, they're all gathered there. And as they come together God's Spirit is poured out upon them. I believe that this is a direct answer to the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And I'm going to read you that high priestly prayer out of John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. And I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. Jesus is saying this, I am praying not only for them, that is the people who are outside of the gospel, but also for those who believe in me. In other words, he's praying for us because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become, listen, one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them. So they'll be as unified and together as we are. I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and love them in the same way you've loved me. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that the very foundation for our witness to the world is our unity with one another. In the midst of our diversity, in the midst of our differences with each other, that difference becomes then this basis in which we come together in unity and we demonstrate to a watching world that Jesus is truly Lord. Now, why does unity matter? Why is it so important? I mean, why can't we just all, you know, uh, have our own attitudes and our own mindsets and why can't we just keep living our own kind of lives? Because unity carries with it its own message. There is nothing that more clearly, expresses first of all the life changing power of the gospel then does unity when i've come to christ and i've given my life to jesus and i've surrendered to him it's not my will that i'm after but it's his will you see we don't just serve jesus as savior but jesus is lord he's master he's the one that directs the way we should be living and thinking and walking That's why it's so important that we read His Word. That's why we each one submit to the authority of Scripture with our lives. Why? Because Jesus is the Lord of our life. I don't come to Christ and then tell God how I want to live my life. I come to Christ and submit to the way He wants me to live my life. That's why Jesus says this, If any man will come after me, let him Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You see, in my denying of myself, I experience a God kind of life. Paul put it another way in the book of Philippians. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, being conformable unto his death. You see, a lot of times we want to know God in the power of his resurrection but we will never know Him in the power of His resurrection until we first know Him in the the submission of a crucified life. In other words, me dying to to my own self and my own will and my own way is the prerequisite for God's powerment coming into my life and into my witness. So there's nothing that more clearly demonstrates or expresses the life-changing power of the gospel than does unity. When you die to what you want and I die to what I want and there's a whole group or community of believers who are doing the same, we come together as one in Christ Jesus. Then we begin to be the witness that God is looking for. The second thing is that there's nothing that more clearly produces the authority and the blessing of God than does unity. I love this. You see, when I submit to Christ and I am willing to yield my will to His will, and I'm willing to be a true Jesus follower according to what His, His Word lays out, now I am a, my life becomes a witness to the world, but I'm also experiencing the commanded blessing of God upon my life. That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3. How good and pleasant it is when people live together in unity. He goes on to say, he describes it as like oil that flows down from the head of Aaron, down upon his beard, down upon his garments, even the skirts of his garments. He goes on to describe it like the dew of Hermon, that refreshing that comes. He says... In the last part of of those verses, for there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore. So unity creates this foundation for my witness, but it also produces in my life a, a, a context for God to command blessing. You want blessing on your life? Do you want God's commanded blessing on your life? In other words, it becomes inescapable and unavoidable where it just comes on you and overtakes you all the time. Listen, you you and I want to be blessed by God. Well, we yield our life to the Lordship of Christ. And as we do, we come together in unity. Now we begin to have a context for God's commanded blessing. God just shows up. So what was happening in Acts chapter 2 was God was showing up and responding to their togetherness. Here they had been praying. They'd been seeking God. Actually, they'd been doing it for days and days. And probably when you really get down to it, it wasn't that it took that long for God to answer. It took that long for them to come together. I I believe that really the key is When we finally get to the place of total unity and togetherness and connection with one another where we're truly one heart and one mind, at that moment, God shows up. Oh, listen to me today. If there's anything we need as the church, we need to come together in unity and experience that grace from heaven, that supernatural empowerment from heaven. We don't have to beg and plead with God to do what God has already said He wants to do. I believe God is more anxious to send the Holy Spirit and His empowerment into our life than we are for it. But when we come to the place of true submission and yieldedness to His Lordship, at that very moment, at that very second in time, God is ready to fill us and empower us and demonstrate His might in the church. Well, let me just uh, go further with this because not only is this the context for the early church, but God wants us to understand that it's in that place that the Holy Spirit now takes and makes a people a new people a new people. This is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, or the new has come, and the old is gone. You see, when a man or woman comes to faith in Jesus Christ, you've got a new heart. A new heart. And that means that there is a new way of living and a new way of looking at life. So, Today we have played out on our television screens every single day and on our social media all of the extreme uh, polarization that's happening in our nation. But if we look at it with eyes of the spirit, what we really should be looking at is this is not, it's easy to say how bad this is, and yes, it, it is bad and it is distasteful. But the reality is it becomes an opportunity for the church. If we'll truly embrace it, it, it becomes a moment in time where we can be an a, a expression of the grace and goodness of God. So all of us, when we've come to faith in Christ, we've become new creations. And this is how we're going to have unity. When we truly embrace what God has done through Jesus in our lives, this is how you have unity with one another. I will tell you, we will never have unity as long as we focus on all of the externals in the world. I found through the years uh, that, that I don't, I've been married to my wife for 41 years, but I don't always agree with my wife. Do you husbands agree with your wives? Do you wives always agree with your husbands? Even though you're looking to be one, you find that there are moments of disagreement. There are places that you uh, can passionately at sometimes disagree. I know, I, I've realized something this, I don't even always agree with my own self. I've listened to some of my old messages and I'm thinking, oh, I don't always agree with myself. But I tell you one thing I do, I agree with God. I agree with God. And as I come into a place of agreement and yieldedness to God, now I can begin to experience true unity with my other brothers and sisters. The first thing I want you to understand is this. One of the prerequisites or foundations for this unity is this, to understand that you have a new nature. You have a new nature. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 says this, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. The first thing I want us to understand is that all of us, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have been given supernatural grace to love. Supernatural grace. The the love that is shed abroad. In fact, the Bible says this, that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. you got a new nature. I think it's wonderful, and I've watched it thousands and thousands of times. People pray and ask Jesus to come into their heart. And when they finish praying, they open their eyes, and it's almost like an immediate response. They want to hug somebody. They want to just start loving people. Why? Because they've experienced the love of God in their heart. You see, when you came to know Jesus Christ, you had a supernatural encounter with love Himself. God is love, the Bible says. And you had a supernatural encounter with love personified. And that love was flooding your heart. That is the immediate demonstration or manifestation of what it means to be born again. You love people. And if you don't love people, the Bible says you've not been born again. In other words, the characteristic of a Jesus follower, someone who has experienced the grace of God in their life in salvation, is they love people. You've got a new nature. You may not have been a lover of people before, but when you met Jesus, you became a lover of people. And so that new nature is what's directing our life, not the old way. The old way was about my opinion and what I wanted. The new nature is about what he wants. And he loves people, therefore I love people. And I have been given the Holy Spirit as as an empowering agent to help me to love people, love all of those around me. I not only love people I like, I love people I don't like. I don't love, just love people that I'm in good relationship with. I even love my enemies. Wow. Boy, if that's not different. Today, it's almost like people are looking for an opportunity in the world to create an enemy. But God tells us that we should love and we should love each other, and we should love the world, and we should love even our enemies. And as we do, we are demonstrating this life-changing grace that God has given to us in salvation. This is what the church is. So yes, we are diverse, but yet we are unified. The second thing, not only did you get and I got a new nature, we got a new identity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, Paul says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. You were given a new identity. Your identity, the way that you identify yourself. Now, I know people today are identifying as all kinds of various things. We've got men identifying as women and women identifying as men and we've got all sorts of of various gender confusion and all kinds of things going on in the world. All of those things are rooted in this, that if you don't know who you are in God, you'll never know who you are in relationship to one another. The first place you and I need to come to understand who we are is not to the world or not to psychologists, but we come to God. And when you come to God, you start understanding who you are. And He gives to you a new nature, and He gives to you a new identity. And as a, a part of that new identity is that we are members of the body of Christ. In other words, we are an extension. He's the head, according to Ephesians chapter 1. He's the head of the body, the church, the fullness of Him who fills all, everything in every way. And we are the body. That means that every one of us has a role to play we are uh, given by god a grace to operate in that role you have gifts you have callings you have talents all of which were given to you by god so you have a new nature and a new identity that doesn't mean that every single one of us has the same function no we have differences of function differences of workings according to the scripture but we are all operating towards the same objective. There is unity in the midst of our diversity. We're different, but we're different with a reason. And God wants to use us to manifest his presence and power as we yield our life to him. The third thing I want you to understand is that not only is there a new nature and a new identity, but there is a new culture that we are called to. I, I, I know right now we have a lot of discussion about various cultures and ethnicities and their uh, identity in that. I remember when I was pastoring a church in uh, Virginia, and in that city it was a very, very diverse city. And I felt like that God had called, since we were in a diverse city, of was 45% black and 45% white and 10% Asian and Hispanic. And I felt like that, look, if that's the way our city looks, that's the way our church ought to look. Because I wanted to see our local church become a picture of what heaven looked like. And if this is what our city looked like, then I wanted to see that in our church. And so I made it my objective to build a diverse, multicultural church that would manifest God's power in that uh, diversity. And we worked hard to do it. But one of the things that we had to first deal with is this, that every one of us come to the table with our various cultures. That means our backgrounds, our identity, the things we've experienced. And if we're not careful, we can think that our culture is better than somebody else's culture. And we start holding up individual human culture above, hear me, kingdom culture. When we come to Christ, if we're going to have unity with the diversity, we can't take and hold up our own individual culture. I don't care how good you may feel it is. It must bow before the kingdom of God. We have a culture of which we're all a part of, and that is the kingdom of God. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. instead they set it on a lampstand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What is that? That's the kingdom culture. That is the manifestation of of what God's kingdom here on earth. Jesus' prayer was this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are called to carry out not only our individual culture, but the kingdom of God's culture. That really is a part uh, of what is referred to as Missio Dei, the mission of God. All of us are called to do that. And then finally, not only do we have a new nature, a new identity, and a new culture, but we have a new future. I am thrilled with that. All of us have a new future. Jesus said this, that verse I just quoted in Matthew 6, 10, your kingdom come, your will be done, where on earth, as it is in heaven. The ultimate end of all of this is as we yield to God, God empowers us as his church, diverse as we may be, We not only uh, uh, let our our diversity be expressed, but we will let our unity be expressed. Yes, we're different, but it doesn't take prerequisite to God's unity as He unifies us through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to just remind you as I close this message today, maybe you've got all kinds of, of identity, Background issues and all kinds of things that have run or controlled your life. But the Holy Spirit today can overwhelm all of that. And God can cause us in the midst of our differences to become one for His glory. Let me pray with you now. Father, I thank you for every single person within the sound of my voice. And Lord, Yes, we are different. We come from various backgrounds with various different experiences. But Lord, I thank you that in the midst of our differences, you come by the power of the Holy Spirit and bring us together as one. You command your blessing upon us and you make us a powerful witness to this world. And I pray for every single person hearing me today that the Holy Spirit may empower us to be a great witness and testimony as we live our life together for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I want to thank you today for listening, for opening your heart. Now I pray that you will be not just a hearer, but a doer of this word for the glory of God. God bless you. Have an incredible day.